Welcome one, welcome all, back to the Us Open. We are, of course, the Backhanders, the podcast that brings you all the ins and the outs from the great game of tennis. Here on the Backhanders, we cover each tennis slam and are absolutely unafraid to slam tennis. My name, my name is Lightning. And with me, a man who has stayed in the spirit of the Us Open and has therefore eaten nothing but American pie, drunk only Americano coffee, and purchased everything using his American Express and only listened to American Woman by Lenny Kravitz. Catters, Catters, welcome. Lightning, great to be with you. I must admit, I'm not quite as excited as you are in that intro. I'm a little bit underwhelmed, my friend. Uh, you talked a good game. You hyped up this US Open, this US Open. I told you in last week's episode that I was fairly ignorant towards uh, this tournament and I was expecting big things. And I must admit, it's not aided by the fact that as a strategic move, this podcast is based across two continents, none of which this Open is taking place. So time zone wise, I'm struggling, my friend. It's happening in the middle Mm. of the night. One of the rare highlights uh, in play when Venus Williams ordered a latte and requested that the ball child hand it to her. I was hoping that that latte would just reach out through the screen and give me a, some sort of kick, <laughs> some sort of shot of adrenaline to wake me up from what has been a fairly lackluster first week of play. Oh, it has. It, it has not delivered much. The Open that's supposed to be 25% more, it's supposed to be supersized, it's it's got all the uh, the bells and whistles and trumpets playing. The music, if you'd hear the music at Change of Ends, you'd think you're at a rock concert. But you're right, the tennis has, has not really lived up to it. The seeds are dropping like flies. No one even wants to be here at the Open this year, Catters. I don't blame them, Lightning. I would be on the first plane out of there. It's uh, been nothing but a disappointment in my eyes. So for those of you who want to tune out, feel free. The next 40 minutes is going to be merely padding. <laughs> but just on that coffee thing with Venus... Do we know what's even in that coffee? Because Mm. it's a little bit dodgy, I reckon. You know, she took that coffee, then she suddenly powered her way to three or four games in a row. She did. Massive jolt. It's one heck of a way around a drug test. You know, you can be tested pre-game, but then have, you know, this uh, substance delivered from the stands and then find yourself on cloud nine levitating off the court, smacking your opponent around. It's a good call, Catters, maybe. I don't know whether the, the ump needs to taste any of the, the gunja that arrives from the stands or, or whether there needs to be some kind of whatever is consumed on court, a ball boy needs to consume first. Or She reeled off three games and was untouchable for three games. I mean, what's your theory? Well, I just think it's probably coaching because if it's an espresso instant coffee that she receives she needs to sit more back and and <laughs> counter punch if she's a bit late on her shots the latte kind of comes down <laughs> i see if she gets an iced coffee just chill out a little bit venus <laughs> things are gonna be okay man <laughs> what's the americano i uh- <laughs> The Americano is take a social media break uh, and just accrue some likes at the change of ends. If it's a chai latte, like maybe consider, you know, moving to Byron and taking six months off with (laughs) Novak Djokovic. I was going to say maybe try harder. (laughs) How did I miss that golden pun? (laughs) I know. Chai harder. Yeah, that's our first piece of Backhanders merchandise. (laughs) 
maybe her sister could do with a shot or two to jog her memory. I was a little disappointed in her press conference after the first match where she's quizzed about having specifically requested to not have the chair umpire that she had adjudicating Mm. the final last year where she blew up and called him a cheat and Mm. basically threw a tantrum. She said that she has no recollection of who that person is. So uh, you're a liar. Liar, liar, lycra pants on fire. (laughs) I have no recollection of ruining that umpire's career. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) I mean, it was her greatest Shakespearean rant of all time, and she she just doesn't remember that? I don't, yeah. She was then asked about some of her Grand Slams, and she said, I I didn't realise I'd won any Grand Slams. (laughs) Yeah. This is fantastic news. Yeah. <laughs> they are two very different personalities, aren't they? I mean, you've got Venus just chilling out, getting on the uh, the gunja, as you suggested earlier, <laughs> which escalated rather quickly. Um, although the dreadlocks now suddenly make sense in hindsight. Exactly. Yeah. No, she's much more of the, the iced coffee, whereas Serena is much more of the double shot. Just generally speaking, I, th- I feel like it's you know a lot of shiny things. It's a lot of distractions. You see Kobe Bryant on the court. You see mm. Mike Tyson shadow boxing in the stands. You see Alec <laughs> Baldwin. You see, it's just it is an absolute circus. But how much can we blame the nation of America for putting on a dud tournament? And I say a lot. <laughs> the tennis has been pretty crap, and thanks for nothing, United States. I know. I feel like. They maybe are just lacking a bit of support from their commander in tweet just to get on, (laughs) drum up a bit of attention. Rumors have it that he's not happy, that it sends the wrong message, US Open. (laughs) We are not. Please go home. Uh, classic, which is fascinating because whilst, yes, he's particularly unhappy with the title of the tournament, apparently he's quite a fan of tennis generally. I'd love to see him out at the Open at some point. Apparently he loves the idea of the net in the middle, this very strong delineating wall between these two players. He loves the idea that players know where they belong that know where they stand. There's no blurring of lines. Yes. So I'm surprised we haven't seen him a lot more. It's interesting. In spite of the the trade wars going on between China and America as of late, uh, it's good to see China sending a flock of wangs. Do you refer to multiple <laughs> wangs? What do you... <laughs> Yes, that's the collective noun for multiple wangs. The collective noun for wangs. There are three wangs in the uh, women's draw. That's right. And uh, I, I did. I must admit, they were they were dropping like wangs at, at one point, uh, <laughs> middle of last week. It was. I found myself singing "Another Wang Bites the Dust," but <laughs> fortunately, uh, the aptly titled King Wang, she is still thriving. So, yes. King of the Wangs, she has proven herself yet again. Yes, King Wang through to the fourth round, and I'm excited by her progress. That's right. As you said, Kat is of the three started out the flock of Wangs, and we lost two Wangs. So. Uh, Dominic Team and, and Burditch, uh, they <laughs> both dropped out. Oh, oh, sorry, the three on the women's side. Yes, yes. They couldn't get through as a collective wang, as a great wang. So, yeah, we, yep. we carry on with our sole remaining wang who faces Barty tonight. So Yep, Barty on her home turf on the ash dump. Uh, taking on Wang. It's going to be... It's a promoter's dream. <laughs> it is a promoter's dream. 
And just, you know, a semi-delusional Mike Tyson drifting around the stands shadow boxing. It could not be better. Get Don King out there. Is he dead? I don't know. Raise him up from the grave. I don't care. <laughs> Don King Wang. He would love to promote this. Don King Wang. Get Don King to marry King Wang just for the sake of a good pun. For goodness sakes, make it happen. Well, Katas, I'm sorry to hear that your experience of the US Open hasn't been to your liking, but surely there's some gold to be found. So I'm keen to hear. We'll do some digging. We'll do some mining. We'll find what it is you're most excited about in the US Open in our first segment, our segment that is Come On. I've got nothing in my head. I'm just really excited and I want to hug the whole stadium. Well, Catters, you've had some time to think. What is it you could possibly be excited about this Us Open? Lightning, you've known for some time that I'm a huge fan of aggression, the aggro in sport. Oh, yeah. Take no prisoners, the winner takes all mentality. I love that. There are no second places. Stuff everyone out there. (laughs) If you have to disown your own family to clinch the silverware, I don't care. Sorry, I'm I'm a little... (laughs) I'm a little, uh, so I'm having flashbacks to my uh, my childhood. It's part of the 10-pin bowling team at Luther College um, where things went rather awry. So just fire up. And I'm loving seeing a bit of aggro at the US Open. Oh, yeah. Utterly brilliant. I feel like Nick Kyrgios, he's just seems to have rubbed himself off against other players. Can you say that? Does that sound wrong? There hasn't been a recent Wang reference, so yes, you can. <laughs> okay. Well, Kyrgios rubbing himself off against other players is the only pending lawsuit that he's not facing right now. Uh, but we'll just add that to the pile. What we've seen in recent months with Kyrgios just getting angry and mm. being unashamed to attack his opponents, to attack officials, to do whatever the heck he wants, it seems to be catching on as a new craze at the US Open. Absolutely. Mm. And I'd love to come with some examples, but uh, my research team informs me that you're holding all the cards there, so take it away. Well, Kat, is, I find this stunning because there's players like Djokovic and Federer and others who've criticised Kyrgios because of his antics. Classy individuals. Classy individuals. Class until they get the us open infection. They get the, the Kyrgios virus that's spreading through the camp. Mm. Fed was heard to say... In response to some of his questions, he said, I'm sick of this shit. Wow. How's that? The great Roger Djokovic, he told some spectators in the stand, F you. He was then later heard threatening a player on a practice court saying, I will find you. I will find you. Okay, Joker. I mean, you come back from the Bahamas. Who are you, Liam Neeson? (laughs) Get a grip. I know. I will find you as long as you're in the Bermuda Triangle somewhere or on a Greek island or in some exotic- (laughs) Where I've booked my next six-month sabbatical. (laughs) But Kat, it doesn't stop there, Medvedev, number five in the world, went absolutely bananas at the crowd, stuck up his middle finger to the crowd who booed him relentlessly for a four-set match, classically sits down in his seat next to the umpire, who then looks up and sees the replays of Medvedev 
giving the middle finger to the stands and turns to him and says, I can't give you a code violation because I didn't see it live, but you can't <laughs> give the crowd the finger. It was the chair umpire insinuating that it was some sort of visual effects trick that the tournament organizers had put on just to try and like stir up some excitement in the match. <laughs> Medvedev is like, I don't even have a middle finger. I, I was born with... <laughs> <laughs> three opposable digits and this thumb. Interestingly, apparently he was just putting up one finger to say just one sugar in the coffee to be brought down. <laughs> and Medvedev didn't stop there, I believe, because in his post-match interview, <laughs> he started getting booed. And like some sort of B-grade wrestler, just cupped <laughs> his hand to his ear, the three-fingered, one-thumb hand to his ear. <laughs> The mutant hand, as a result of having grown up close to Chernobyl, according to this Wikipedia entry, I'm just doctoring right now. And he was like, keep booing because you're actually going to fuel me to win the next five matches. Correct. Well, actually, and that was his second answer. The first answer created a resounding boo from the stadium. He then grabbed the mic off the interviewer who was asking a different question. He's like, no, 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 grabs the mic back <laughs> and says, see this energy you're giving me? Like it was just brilliant theatre. And, of course, Kat is the final player who went off his banana to was Tsitsipas, who's usually pretty focused, who's been – disappointed and curious for, for going off tap and, and he lost it in his first round match. So no one's been immune, particularly on the men's side. No, I saw that Itsy Sitsy started accusing the umpire of being a weirdo. Yes. I don't know how that comes about, but it seems like a progression of him slowly sliding into some sort of disoriented state from back in Wimbledon, was it, where mm. he was... Was it either Wimbledon or the French Open where he was claiming that his dad was a zombie and started shouting, <laughs> stop looking at me, zombie? Yes. So, I mean, we worry about Nick Curios <laughs> blurring the boundaries between reality and video games. As he said overnight, I play too much Call of Duty, which he actually thought was affecting his eyesight. Yes. Well, I think Itsy Sitsy thinks he's on the set of The Walking Dead. <laughs> I mean, Curios has really embraced the us open self-promotion, hasn't he, mm. by branding his inner collar and in doing so actually breaking new ground as almost receiving match fines and uh, pending <laughs> suspensions before players even started. Oh, That's a record by his own standards. <laughs> I was waiting for the fireworks to end all fireworks. Whenever you watch a Curios match, you're sitting there going, please don't erupt until you've got this match in the bag. Otherwise, you're gone. And so they get out on the court to hit up and he has the <laughs> match referee called out onto court to debate the logo on his collar. And then his argument was, I want to see it. I want to see the rule. Show me the rule. He wouldn't listen to the <laughs> tournament official. Whatever it is, Nick, lap it up and enjoy it before you start serving your three-year suspension for also calling the ATP corrupt. <laughs> I feel for him because, I mean, he was in his kind of Call of Duty zone and he just felt like lobbing in a hand grenade as he was leaving, which he did by... <laughs> Naming the tournament corrupt. His inability to distinguish between video games and reality has really undermined him, particularly as he started to prepare next year's schedule. And he'll only play at the Italian Open with Super Mario as his doubles partner. <laughs> Someone has to get through to this guy. 
He's walking onto court saying it's going to be on like Donkey Kong. He literally thinks his opponent is going to start throwing barrels at him. He's delusional. Lightning, what are you excited about with this Us Open after week one? Like you, Cutters, it's been hard to find uh, much to be excited about in terms of the quality of tennis. And one of the reasons for that has been the fact that it's felt like it's just been an exhibition tournament for the big three, for Nadal, Djokovic and Federer. It feels like we're just able to to just applaud them, clap them and just enjoy their presence as they walk through a week and a half of tennis until they get to the semi-finals, the business end. Because no one is touching these guys to the point where Roger Federer coming off a an epic battle in the Wimbledon final, rolled up to round one of the US Open dishevelled with this this ragged old beard, it literally just hung over from Wimbledon. He's been on benders for months, <laughs> knows that he doesn't have to show up until the second week of this tournament, he's forgotten to shave, yep. rolled up late, and literally his line after his round one match was, I played a little bit like my beard today. Rusty. <laughs> Did he really say that? He said that word for word. And I said, no, you played a lot like your beard today. Feral. It was disgusting. He usually presents so delightfully, and yet here he is, you know, half cut, bloodshot eyes, no pants, uh, forgot his racket, wearing a beard. It was just, it was a schmozzle. Round one, he played... Uh, he played an Indian man by the name of research team. Help me out, if you will. <laughs> oh, no, I think Indian man will be sufficient for our <laughs> listeners out there. Next. <laughs> and uh, Nagal was his name, 190th in the world, and he uh, described Federer as the god of tennis and said he was so looking forward to it as a dream come true. And uh, he pants Federer for a set because Federer was not there. So here he was expecting to, <laughs> you know, just lay down, kill a fatted calf and offer some sacrifices to Federer. And he was beating him for a set of tennis. So it was it was pretty nuts. So thankfully, after a set of just disgusting tennis from Federer, he basically, he rained down his vengeance. You almost got the impression that Federer was annoyed that he actually had to get up off his massage table that he'd set up on the baseline for the first set and actually start swinging a racket. So that that's Federer. He got through. He shooed off his massage ladies, got through the last few sets of tennis and, and took him out. But some of the others of the big three have also just had a, a cakewalk through the tournament. Nadal, who um, often struggles on the hard courts when he transitions away from Wimbledon. It's tough on his knees. He's always shaky as to whether his body can hold up. Well, he's just walked through the first week it's to the point where round two, Sanasi Kokonakis, the Australian gun, who I'm a big fan of, pulled the pin and didn't even show up. He had a walkover in round two. So for mine, Kokonakis, he needs to be retired and scrapped and used for parts, I think, for mine. So... <laughs> I um I think Murray's Murray could do with a spare hip, so that's probably fair. And Del Potro could probably do with some of those excess limbs. And the Joker I hear is after a shoulder at the moment, so Bouchard could probably do with a fraction of his tennis brain. I, I don't know. There's a few players out there that could probably do with some some spare parts. I do like the idea of Kokonakis at the ripe age of what is he 22, 23, just donating his body to <laughs> tennis science. I think it's only fair. 
<laughs> to give back to the sport, literally. I think he didn't want to face Nadal because he was having traumatic flashbacks to his childhood as Nadal is currently dressed as the purple Teletubby. Don't know if anyone out there has seen the footage of him. It is fancy dress party first week of the Open and no one expected Nadal to go that angle. So I don't know what he was thinking with that outfit and we've asked that a few times this year with the likes of mm. Fed dressed up as a giant turd and Rafa himself as a giant tennis ball. Mm. But the, the bright floral arrangement, I yeah. mean, it wouldn't surprise me if he popped his collar and it was branding some sort of new potpourri that is being <laughs> launched in North America. Well, he's actually using the collar to press flowers. <laughs> I could even tell through my television I was watching him that he smells irresistible <laughs> even after three sets of tennis. Do you regret not apologising for hitting him? With the ball in the third Why second. would I apologise? Why would I apologise? I want the point. I mean, the dude's got how many slams? How much money in the bank account? I think he can take a ball to the chest, bro. Cut is an important segment, particularly at the midway point of this Us Open. We want to pause. We want to think about who's rising. Who's rising like a phoenix from the ashes. Who's becoming the next goat, the next challenger to the throne, and of course, who's failing to do that, failing to deliver on their potential and promise, who's sliding down in the vein of Mark the Pooh Philippousis, our fed up, our poo down catters. Who's your fed up to begin with? Yeah, Lightning, my fed up for this week is a Russian star in the making, I would say. He's only 21 and he seems to have come from the clouds, but Andrei Rublev is my fed up. He has put in a very solid first week, capping it off, beating our Saint Nick in mm. the third round and he looks extremely dangerous he has incredible speed off both forehand and backhand his racket head speed he is whippy he chases down everything on court he yeah. seems like a brilliant all-court player particularly suited to hard court tennis mm. and he looks a likely lad i tell you and I wouldn't be surprised if he can go very deep in this tournament because there's a side of a draw that he's on that is opened up completely uh, that was expected to be favorable for Nick Kyrgios. Yeah. But Rublev swept it up and hopefully can go deeper because he looks fantastic. He also beat Federer in Cincinnati convincingly, which put him back on the map. I think he'd struggled with injuries for a couple of years now, and he's finally gotten fit. And when I was watching Rublev play, it reminded me of a film that I saw, a Tarkovsky film, which I'm sure you're familiar with the works of uh, oh, yeah. Tarkovsky, the great Russian esoteric filmmaker. Mm. And he made a film uh, about... Andre Rublev in 1966, where Rublev was actually a famous historical figure, a famous religious icon painter. Right. So I don't know whether there's a way of, you know, Rublev bringing that into his game, you know, a nickname or a way that he can kind of hype himself. Did a bit of research, you know, obviously the painter isn't exactly <laughs> very, uh, you know, imposing. Uh, but it's a famous story of an iconic uh, historical figure who was a peace-seeking monk. And I think that's a great <laughs> angle for Rublev in order to get on court. And, you know, here comes the peace-seeking monk from nowhere. <laughs> I just think it lends itself to a lot of great marketing opportunities. Absolutely. So sponsors, start lining up. <laughs> And a great contrast from his other Russian compatriot, Medvedev, who basically every sniper on the rooftop 
of Arthur Ashe Stadium is firmly <laughs> aimed at him waiting for the next middle finger he gives to the fans. So to then have a peace-loving Russian up the other end, you know, diverted from the attention, he's got every chance of sneaking through. Absolutely. It's a real contrast to Medvedev being put on the terrorist watch list uh, over the last few days. But for Rublev, I think, you know, that peace-seeking monk, it really suits his style, his game. You know, he does look like the albino monk from the Da Vinci Code. So a lot of it's just lining up for him. You know, the ball kids looked, I would say, ill at ease with Rublev whipping himself furiously at the change of ends. But, mate, whatever works for you. Good luck to you. <laughs> Some players listen to hip-hop music in their headphones. Uh, others, some mild self-harm. You know, it's it's definitely an each to their own. <laughs> I believe I saw Kyrgios seeing this happen, mouthing something to the effect of, what the Vladivostok? I couldn't quite make it out. I mean, the fact that he is able to cover the court so well whilst wearing the robes, I think is quite impressive in sandals. So, Well, Lightning, it's funny you should say that because the robes would have been a vast improvement on what he was wearing and it leads me to my poo down. Okay. And my poo down for the US Open is the sporting attire of the general tennis playing group. I, I don't want to lump them all in the same category, but there you have it. 300 plus players who bothered to show up. I mean, even that unknown Indian guy couldn't manage to spring for some Bollywood attire. I mean, you're on flipping Arthur Ashe Stadium. Be a showman, for goodness sakes. But it's just been overall very disappointing. I think Mm. I texted you a couple of days ago when I was watching Sabalenka versus Azarenka. Ah, yes. And they were just, you know, you have two women from the same country, from Belarus, both female, they both look very similar. They're wearing identical outfits. Yes. You know, what is your point of difference? Totally. As a viewer, it's extremely off-putting. I know. I had no idea what I was watching. I'd always just thought Sabalenka and Azarenka was just the starting line of the Macarena. <laughs> oh, Sabalenka, Azarenka, Svirilina. Oh, yeah, so it was... I saw as they were pulling the draw at the start of the Open that the officiator was struggling to keep a straight face as he kind of started to break into the hand gestures and then checked himself and went, no, 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 sorry, there's business. (laughs) Yeah, and proceeded to keep a straight face until he hit a gaggle of wangs later in the draw. But just seriously disappointing. What is going on with that sleeve thing that players are wearing? I remember going to see Ryanich a few years ago Mm. at the Australian Open. I think he beat Monfils in a quarterfinal, as I recall. And I just couldn't get over the fact that he was wearing these two different multicolored sleeves, which could presumably only have been used to try and distract from the fact that he's a black hole of charisma on court, (laughs) on and off the court. I will not just limit it to on the court, Milos Ryanich. I don't know. I can only assume there's a few players who are taking their coach's words too seriously and are just being told to pull their sleeves up. Um, (laughs) But I don't have a sleeve. Well, then put a sleeve on and then pull it up. (laughs) So, Lightning, I'm just disappointed overall. I feel like that sense of spectacle that clearly the US Open allows its players to bring Mm. with it, they've just let the team down collectively. I mean, the only outlier to that, and no surprises there, is Serena. You know, she rocked up in, what would you describe it as? 
She started round one in in a in a follow on from her Catwoman get up. It was the black kind of you know uh, jumpsuit. Yeah. But then she transitioned. So the last couple of matches, she's come out in a kind of DC comic kind of throwback. She walks onto court for the hit up wearing a Batman cape. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's like this massive <laughs> yes. kind of poncho. Yes. And I assume I haven't seen the footage, but I assume she jumps off the rooftop of the Arthur Ashe Stadium <laughs> onto court. You know, sense of occasion. You can't say she doesn't have it. And then of course reveals underneath this purple jumpsuit, which I assume is like a throwback to the Phantom comic or something, but it's Or Grimace from the McDonald's universe. <laughs> Or maybe the McDonald's, the lesser known D- DC universe, the McDonald's universe, where she's pitching for a spin off film. That's right. Or maybe the purple people eater. Maybe she's going for, in fact, maybe after playing and hammering Sharapova, she was going for the purple pover eater. Oh, didn't she eat her alive as well? That's she another poo down. Man, I'm on a roll alive. here. Sharapova. You know what, Sharapova? I'm demanding, as of next slam, you change your name because you are not Maria Sharapova anymore. <laughs> you, you are a shell of your former self. Therefore, by tennis law, you should be forced to change your name. <laughs> to Sharonpova or <laughs> Marina um, Sharapushova? Much better. On paper, it looks great until I remind myself that it's not the year 2006. And since that year, you've been bullied by the grimace of Gotham and under no circumstances shown that you can push back. I haven't seen a skinny white bullied like that since. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry. I was suddenly channeling some stand-up comic from the 80s. I'm back with you, Lightning. <laughs> it's all right, Katis. Everyone got the reference. It's okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm so glad because I didn't. And if you did, hit us up on Instagram, uh, Facebook, and let me know what the freak I'm talking about because I haven't slept in seven days. <laughs> Katis, allow me to restore some order to give you some of the stats, and it's... They're very basic and alarming stats. That is Serena's 19th consecutive triumph over Sharapova, who's a five-time slam winner. So she, I mean, this was billed as a huge match. Serena is now 22 record over Sharapova. 20 wins, two losses. So she was not able to match it with with the grimace of Gotham, as you describe her, (laughs) Katis. So, Lightning, that's my multi-pronged poo down. Uh, on a lighter note or a happier note, who mm. do you see as fedding up at the moment? Well, sure. It's perhaps not what I would have expected pre-tournament catters, and that is Taylor Townsend, who I think mm. is a tremendous story. So, a young American. So, she's ranked 116 in the world, which, of course, meant she had to go through qualifying even to make it into the main draw. She's done tremendously well in this first week of the US Open to the point where she took out number four in the world, Simona Halep, who I had tipped as my dark horse, and yet mm. she was left reeling. So um, Townsend put down my dark horse, uh, center of the glue factory, and uh, yeah, Townsend now walks into the second week of finals. It's an incredible story. She uh, was a prodigious talent, if I recall, when she was younger. But didn't she, around 2011, I think she won three of the four junior slams in one calendar year? Yep, 2012, she was the number one ranked junior player in the world. So she's been a person Americans have been excited about for years and hasn't quite been able to deliver 
on that potential and that promise. So it's exciting to kind of see her emerge at her Us Open uh, in front of her home fans. So for me, what's been most exciting, Kat, is, is the style of play. And that is she's serving volleying, which... You know, there's some of my favourite ever players, Stefan Edberg, Pat Rafter, were amazing serve volleyers. So for me to see it come back in hasn't been as common on the women's side, but she's brought it back. 57% of the points she won in the last match were from serve and volley. This is incredible. So it's a great story, but I'm loving the, the different style of play. We've got a lot of bash and crashes from the baseline, but to see someone bringing a different style of tennis and doing it successfully is amazing. So 57%, I mean, that's going to the net more than teenage boys do after dark. That's pretty impressive, <laughs> I reckon. So It's also a great screw you to the authorities that actually stripped her of her funding a number of years ago because they said that she wasn't in a proper form of fitness. Wasn't that correct? Correct. And and Johnny McEnroe, the great US champion, was the person driving that. So denied her a wildcard entrance to the US Open despite her having received that the year prior to that. So Taylor is someone who has had this kind of rough, story, this rough history, this challenging kind of recent history. So to kind of buck the trend and defy the odds and to fight back and and do so well is really heartening for for the tennis world. Well, Lightning, enough of this lifestyle channel. Goody, goody. I feel great about my life. Fed up. What have you got on the poo down? Let's get to the exciting stuff. I know. I know. I was channeling my inner Oprah, so I apologize. I'll now channel my inner Judge Judy with my poo down segment. For me, it's number four in the world, Dominic Team. Mm. So this is someone who, when you rank number four, you get clumped with the big three. Of course, we've had Sir Muzza uh, in that top four that's helped us kind of believe at least there's a couple of people on either side of the draw threatening. So for Team to be in that mix and yet out in round one of this Open is just a massive disappointment. So Dominic team for me, what Catters is most disappointing is not only that he's you know a big player, number four in the world, highly billed and rated, it's the fact that he had total disdain for the hardcourt surface on which the US Open is on. We're talking only a couple of weeks out from this Open. Dominic team is in his home country in Austria, playing the Austrian Open on clay, whereas essentially he was the only professional tennis player left on the continent who wasn't playing hardcore in preparation for the US <laughs> Open. So he won a chump tournament in Austria playing basically, I don't know, it was probably a field of ball kids who'd volunteered to to have a knock. Yeah, the Von Trapp children, I believe. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So he beat the Von Traps, a tournament no one cares about, a tournament that no one even played in. So for me, you can't help but think he's brought it on himself. It is unbelievable that the world number four men's tennis player is entertaining the idea of going back to his local home tournament Mm. to the point where next year he has already declared that he will not represent Austria at the Olympic Games in Tokyo because it clashes with the Bush League tournament in the (laughs) Austrian Alps. (laughs) Amazing. I don't want to represent my country because I want to play some practice tournaments in my country. That must be some damn good Wiener schnitzel that 
mama team is serving up to completely undermine this man's tennis career. Maybe he just liked the slightly looser outfit regulations and that he was able to wear uh, Lederhosen. And, uh, you know, <laughs> or is Dominic team dyslexic? Does he actually think that the Austrian Open is the first slam of the year? <laughs> so this is nowhere near as hard as I expected it to be. Jeez, I've had a great run. This is, uh, yeah, slightly <laughs> underwhelming. But um, thanks for the giant cowbell and the Wiener Schnitzel I get as a reward. And uh, I'll just bank the 5,000 ATP points, which I thought I'd been promised. And uh, I'll see you again next year. <laughs> now I'd better hand over to the runner-up. Gretel, do you want to have a speech? Um... <laughs> as I ride my cow off into the sunset. <laughs> Tennis. 2.0. Kat, it's time to dust off a segment we haven't heard in quite some time. Tennis 2.0, we explore, we look at ways in which tennis can be taken to a new level. And this year we're looking at a, a way in which this US Open has been attempting to do that. Lightning, you know that I've been talking a long time about the impending robotic uprising. I don't trust technology, never have. Hence the fact that when I was a budding young tennis player, no ball machines were used, my friend. I would only hire a few local children to peg them at me as hard as they could. It builds character. So the robots are on their way. We've discussed it with the uh, impending return of Sir Andy Murray or Cyborg Andy Murray, as he should now be referred because he's half robotic. And my fear has been realized in the last seven days because the US broadcaster has employed using technology from IBM this really sophisticated way of creating highlight packages based only on data and technology. So tracking algorithms, figuring out critical points in the kind of story arc of a match. So it might look at, you know, the four or five critical turning points it's even gauging audience reactions. I mean, how scary is that mm. to track what are the pivotal moments? And by doing that and analyzing that all through a computer, they can compile highlights packages without any sort of interference or involvement of a human being. This is Tennis 2.0, and I usually cast my mind to the far future suggesting something way out. The reality is they're already using this, and I am deeply disturbed by it. Mm. Uh, I think it's flawed. I think it makes no sense to me because if you go back to merely seven or eight years ago when you and I were rocking the Australian Open and you were dressed in a giant manga character with a disproportionate <laughs> head... I believe the crowd reaction would have slightly warped the highlight package. It would have been two hours of you dancing, pointing at people in the stands, stealing giant novelty mobile phones and, you know, gesturing towards Bernard Tomic to give us stuff rather than anything that was taking place on court. I will also remind you of the now infamous Heineken evening that took place, uh, I believe, on the first Saturday of the Australian Open about 10 years ago, where they experimented with the idea of if you buy 10 pints of beer, you get a novelty <laughs> Heineken hat. Well, <laughs> the cups that we managed to stack in the stands that became a far more interesting uh, experience than watching Sebastian Grosjean, or as we... Uh, 
with great French accents called him gross jeans uh, on court complaining that more people were interested in <laughs> cup stacking than his own third round match would suggest that again screw you IBM no cyborg or blade runner robot is going to decipher that code Gattas <laughs> when you support Australian tennis you can't really follow the tennis so <laughs> As you suggested, there would not be a correlation between the noise in the stands and what was going on on court. So you make a a terrific point. Again, USA, you tried hard, but keep trying because let's face it, it's great that we have IBM developing this algorithm-based technology, but ever thought of curing cancer? (laughs) Something slightly more noble. I mean, wonderful that your broadcast editor gets to go home a little bit earlier (laughs) and see his family. (laughs) Is this Bill Gates' legacy? My goodness. (laughs) Love it. I didn't understand a word you're saying, but it's not important. Catters, let's bring this home. It's time to check in. I, I want to see how good your predictions are. Are you still in the hunt? What, what did you predict midway through this tournament? I am, Lightning. I'm still in the hunt. Both of my predictions are looking pretty strong, if I do say so myself. Bianca Andreescu is playing very well, very efficiently is. working her way through the early rounds of the tournament, so I'm upbeat about her chances. And on the men's side, Rafa Nadal... No surprises there. He's getting the job done. As you mentioned earlier in the episode, the top three, pretty safe bet for this tournament. So yeah. uh, I, I like my chances there. Yes, we've gone safe, particularly on the men's side, both of us. I went with the Joker, so similarly in good shape. Um, Djokovic is attempting to become the first back-to-back men's champion here since Federer was when he won five in a row between 2004 and 2008. So a little bit surprising that it's been that long since we've had a back-to-backer. So he's on track, a little bit of a shoulder concern for the Joker, but um, still in the hunt. So And then on the women's side, similarly, didn't take too big a risk. I went with Serena, and look, it looks as though her fitness is holding up. That was the big concern about Serena. Can, with the limited match play she's had for the year, at the pointy end of a two-week tournament, can she deliver the quality she needs to to take out what is just a wonderfully open field still on the women's side? But we've done pretty well with our tips, cutters. We are talking about a tournament that, whilst the top end is looking pretty hefty, all the those uh, nipping at the heels fell away. In fact, tumultuous Tuesday, as we could name it, saw Dominic Team, Tsitsipas, Kaknov, Agu, Fanini, uh, Oji Aliasim, all gone. We're talking about seeds numbers 4, 8, 9, 10, and 11, all gone in round one. So it was just incredible. So of the top 12 seeds, there's only five left. And in fact, there's only 11 male seeds left of the 30 halfway through the tournament. So it's incredible dropping. So I, I don't know, I could only assume it's probably due to some of the uh, the excess nuclear waste that's probably kind of seeping up through the court um, <laughs> in that time capsule. So I must admit, knowing what I know now about Flushing Meadows, when I see uh, players like Coco Goff in the early rounds down a set and starting to dig deep, I'm like, no, 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 not that deep. <laughs> And what about our dark horses, Lightning? I just thought we should raise this because uh, yeah. yours suck. <laughs> yeah, look, my dark horses are lame. 
really. So in the last tournament, Catters, I picked a dark horse not actually entered in the tournament. So I consider it a step up to have picked Tsitsipas, who got knocked out in round one, and Halep, who got spanked in round three. Um, yeah. So, but look, Catters, don't let me tip dark horses. When I touch them, it curses them. We need to be careful how we define this because a dark horse is actually meant to be someone who is unlikely to win but has a chance of winning. Having said that, I'm not much better. Well, I liked uh, St. Nick's chances as an outsider. Oh, and yes. sure enough, the draw opened up for him. Mm. But he's decided to take up a career in esports as a gamer. So that was unfortunate <laughs> mid-tournament. And um, on the women's side, someone who I think we all thought was probably equally likely to win the tournament along with Nick was the 65-plus-year-old Margaret Court, <laughs> uh, who didn't show a lot of sign of interest in returning to Flushing Meadows to try and ward off the threat of the Grimace of Gotham, which would have also made for a great spin-off film between the two of them. <laughs> We should sign off. There's some ripping matches to come on Arthur Ashfeld Stadium for the remainder of this tournament. So stay tuned, listeners. You'll hear from us again on the end of the US Open when we'll review all that happens as hopefully the tennis launches to a new gear. But until then, make sure you check us out on Instagram. Make sure you check us out on Facebook. And Catters, some of our listeners have been giving us those five-star ratings, which we're wrapped about. Any you'd like to draw our attention to? Absolutely, Lightning. Uh, this one comes from Atlas Baron, uh, one of our European listeners. Uh, yeah. This gig is such a fun listen, and I'm not even that much into tennis. Join the club, Atlas, <laughs> following the, the week I've just witnessed. Mainly here for the banter and Aussie comedy, as it's just light-hearted entertainment with some tennis insights here and there chucked into the mix. Fun! Exclamation mark. <laughs> which is almost like the Trump t- tweeting habits of sad at the end. But I'll take fun uh, as a nice sign-off. Thank you, Atlas. And we got a five-star review amongst others. And if you leave us a five-star review, we'll also read out your comments. Mm. We encourage you to subscribe, share it with friends, tell your mates about it. It helps us out a lot. And join us on Instagram where we're also trying to more and more Uh, do daily updates as I do my head in trying to watch an open that doesn't feature great tennis. Exactly. And it's just great, Catters, that we can now say very confidently that we have listeners from the Atlas. (laughs) So (laughs) we can now bluff our way through making ourselves feel a lot bigger than we are. So thank you, Atlas. Well, listeners, time to sign off. Enjoy the tennis. We'll rejoin and review in only a week's time. So until then, make sure that you are quiet, please.